Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day. Father, we thank you and praise you for this opportunity to come and hear your word. Father, I pray now that you put a watch over my tongue, Father, that everything done and said today will be to the upbuilding of your kingdom. And we give you praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. So I'm telling another old joke, and Stephen has promised me that next week he's going to come up with a new joke that I'd never heard, which he, he did tell me this one this morning, but um, yeah, he messed up the first line, but I knew what he was talking about. Anyway, so this lady was in a terrible crash, and she died and went to heaven, and she did, this is not correct, right? This is a joke. So the lady died and went to heaven, and when she got there, God said, what are you doing here? I'm not ready for you. You have 10 more years, 20 more years, I don't know. And so she, he sent her back. So when she got back to the hospital, after she recovered from her injuries, she got a tummy tuck and a little lift and a little tighten and a little facelift. She finally got out of the hospital. When she went to walk across the street, she got hit by a bus and killed. And she walked back to God and said, I thought you weren't ready for me. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even recognize you. <clears throat> that, that's how you're supposed to tell it, right, Stephen? There you go. <clears throat> Um, Stump told that a hundred years ago, I'm pretty sure, which is, which is fitting because, um, Philip worked on my tie like he used to do for Stump and, um, I'm, I'm preaching a Stump sermon. So there you go. It, it, it all works out well. Um, so I know y'all never heard this before, but this morning we're going to hear about faith. There we go. I was waiting on y'all. All right. So of course, um, the book of Romans says that faith comes by hearing, Right. And so I've been praying and meditating and, and working on what I'm supposed to teach, when I'm supposed to teach it, and be obedient as possible. And I have kind of pushed this message down a little bit, not because I don't want to teach it or I don't think it's important. I just know that you've heard it. But, but faith comes by hearing, and today we're going to hear it again, okay? <clears throat> so we're going to start off with, and, and, and listen, it, it might take two weeks. Because when you start putting together a sermon on faith, it grows pretty quickly. Um, so we're going to start off with, um, in a place we don't normally start off with in this message, um, the book of Romans in chapter 1. <clears throat> so Romans 1 in verse 16. Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believe, first the Jew, then the Gentile. For it is in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed. For the righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written that the righteous will live by faith. See, this right here is the first opportunity that a believer began to understand that the righteousness of God was going to be us, that we are the righteousness in God, in Christ crucified, right? And so when he explained the, the, the gospel, the good news is that salvation has come first to the Jew and then to the Gentile, and his righteousness has been revealed, right? Not by the law and its works and its many rules and regulations, but by grace through faith, right? It is written... To fulfill that prophecy that was written years and years ago that the righteous will live by faith. So if you think about this verse in context, the saved, the people who have received the gift of salvation, become the righteousness of God. Those people 
will live by faith. So if you cut out all of the middle meat right there, the saved will live by faith, right? Because it is by faith that we are saved, right? Do we believe in our heart and say with our mouth, Romans 10 and 10, right? So as if you are, <clears throat> I, I think a lot of people mail this in because they go, well, I'm not really righteous, so I don't know that I really should be living by faith. You know, I got a job and a house and a car and everything seems to be going pretty well. I don't need a lot of faith. That's the world's possible. The, the world's idea, take on it is, is faith is really irrelevant, right? I, I provide everything I need. I don't need God for anything. But the righteous, the us, the saved, the Christian, the born-again believer, the children of God, the Bible says that we should live by faith. So how do you live by faith? Well, James says faith without corresponding actions is dead, right? So the righteous will live by faith. Uh, turn with me to Galatians. <clears throat> See, this is where it gets us right here. Galatians 3. In verse 10, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. So you ever hear people say, well, well, are you a Christian? Well, I, I do. I, I'm a good person and I do lots of good things, right? I have lots of good deeds. I do lots of things for lots of people and I'm a good person and God loves me. Well, some of that sentence is true. God loves the world, so sure he loves you too. But it's not because you're a good person or something that you have done or something that you have earned or some set of behavior traits that you can develop that are going to make you a good person. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it says, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of law. Everything written in the book of the law. And you think, well, I mean, I kind of know the Ten Commandments, and I stay away from most of those things. But, I mean, it talks about, like, how much you're supposed to eat and whether you're supposed to gossip or not and how far you're supposed to walk on the Sabbath. And it's all kinds of stuff. You, it is impossible, which, right, that's the reason that the law was given. The law was given as an example that it is impossible for a mere human to live to God's standard of righteousness. It's not, you're not capable of it. If you were capable of it, Jesus died for nothing. You should just be a better person. Right? It would be a lot easier to preach this sermon if it was, you should be a better person and you need to do better for you to have enough righteousness to go to heaven. It's a whole lot easier sermon. <laughs> it's a lot harder on your part. The truth is, is this by faith... We have been redeemed from this curse. Uh, verse 11, clearly no one relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. For the law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says that the person who does not do these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree Verse 14, and he redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ. So by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit, right? So he, he was doing a simple mathematic equation. 
Fallen man and the law is not enough. Fallen man plus faith and grace and Christ crucified becomes the righteousness of God. Not just a little bit. And we don't become okay. We don't become acceptable. We become the righteousness of God. Like the good stuff. Like the cream of the cream of the cream. Not only so, we receive all of the blessings that were promised to Abraham. That blessed in the country and blessed in the city and blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. And you will be fruitful and multiply and all of those things, right? Those also become part of the equation, not in something that we earned, but something that was given to us by grace. So faith has lots of different levels. Faith is like, um, faith's like weightlifting. You know, getting saved, the, 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 the faith to become a Christian, to have salvation, that's pretty lightweight stuff, Right? It's not. The first time you pick it up, it seems kind of heavy. But if you just try it for just a second, the faith to become a Christian, to become saved, is not a big step. But as you increase in believing God and your faith grows, that muscle grows and it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, right? It, it, it is something that we have to exercise. And when Paul says that we live by faith as Christians, we should be exercising our faith muscle pretty near every day we should be pretty uh, uh, uh agile in the faith right that is something that we should bring to the party everywhere do we go the righteousness of god shows up full faith in god shows up i'm here the holy spirit came with me he lives on the inside of me he ministers to me he lifts me up he corrects me. He bolsters this faith in God that lives in the inside of me. Well, yeah, but they say, I don't care what they say. The Bible says that the righteous will live by faith. Anybody in here disagree that we are the righteousness of God? That when we become saved, we became the righteous children, sons and daughters of God. So it is our job then to live by faith. Well, how does our faith grow? Well, I kind of alluded to that a minute ago when I got ahead of myself. Romans chapter 10, and then 9 and 10 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified, but with the mouth you profess your faith and are saved. But if you come down to 17, it says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So how do you have more faith? You listen more. You, you start to develop that understanding. Hosea says that, God said through Hosea, right, that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So lack of knowledge equals lack of faith, does it not? If faith comes by hearing, and the more you hear the message, the more your faith increases. The less you hear, the less your faith is. So if we are destroyed for lack of knowledge, what he really means is that we are destroyed because either we didn't believe the message that was delivered, or we're not hearing it. Now, I, I know folks who, <laughs> I had a guy not so long ago, 
watched the sermon on TV. And I don't even know when we are on TV, but he watched the sermon on TV. And he came to me and said, you know, I had never seen that scripture before until you preached about it. Really? You, you know, um, this, 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 um, this book right here, it's been around for a minute. I mean, you can hear it uh, audibly. You can, uh, your phone will read it to you. You can read it on your phone, your computer. There's all kinds of paperbacks. Hey, there's a nice CV shop in Florence that they give them away. That's on the counter. Please take one if you would like to have one. They're everywhere. We, we support the Gideons. They go around the world giving away Bibles. They're in every hotel room, right? We go all over the world handing out Bibles. But my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, either because they're not willing to subject themselves to sit down and read it, or listen to it, or hear it, or refuse to attend a church where it's preached, or they just can't believe it. But us, as Christians, as God's righteousness, it is imperative for us to renew our mind and develop this faith. Because if faith comes by hearing, you need to be hearing on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, I didn't feel good, so I didn't go to church. So if you only hear the word that comes from this pulpit and you attend sparsely, your faith is not being fed very well. If faith comes by hearing, and you're not hearing, I mean, I'm not saying you don't got any faith. I mean, Jesus told him a couple times, oh, ye of little faith. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it is your responsibility for your faith. And... When your faith develops in you, all of a sudden, it leads you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. And there's where James comes in, that faith without corresponding actions is dead. Once your faith matures, and you have faith, and you understand it, and you, you have studied God's Word, and it has grown, it will thrust you into using that faith. There's a whole chapter in the book of Hebrews that we're going to talk about in just a minute. It's called the Hall of Fame. But in the entire chapter, it says, by faith, they did this. Not by their own understanding, not by their own discernment, not because somebody told them to, not because that's what they thought was the best idea, not because they saw it on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. By faith, they did this. See, that's where we are supposed to be, that by faith... We sow our tithes into the church. By faith, we lay hands on the sick and they will recover. By faith, we preach the gospel around the world that they will see the salvation of Christ. By faith. If it is the evidence, uh, let's read it. Hebrews 11. <clears throat> Hebrews 11, 1 and it, the author of Hebrews is unknown. Um, I, everybody has an opinion. I thought it was Luke for a long time. Uh, I think I've decided it's not Luke. I don't know that it really matters, but, you know, because I'm silly. Um, 
the writer of Hebrews in, in chapter 11 really explains a lot of stuff about faith. Uh, and begin with the first verse. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance that we do not see. Now, when you use that by faith, it is not by faith that I can lean up on this pedestal. It's not. It, I can feel it. It is by faith that it will stand up and hold my weight and will not fold over. That is by faith. I need to shave off a couple of pounds. But it does not take any faith for anybody in this room to see this, does it? I mean, some of y'all's got some glasses on, but I mean, in general, it's here, right? We all can agree. By faith, in about 2014, granddaddy told me that I would be standing behind it. Hmm. Now, that took a lot of faith. <laughs> Big faith. We don't need faith for the things that we can see, touch, feel. We need faith for the things that are not seen. <clears throat> Any of y'all ever seen your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? <clears throat> you ever seen it? Do you have faith that it's there? Oh, Bubba, got faith that it's there. See, that's, the different, that's what faith is. Faith is the assurance and the confidence of what we can't see. <clears throat> Man, I got off topic. I'm sorry. <clears throat> so by faith, verse uh, 2, this is what the ancients were commended for. Now, I like the way they say ancients. This is what the old folks in, in past generations, this is what they were commended for. For by faith, we understand that the universe was formed on God's command <clears throat> so that what is seen was made out of what was not seen. See, that's that whole thing with the Big Bang, right? If you listen to the folks with the Big Bang, they said it's this little tiny particle and all of the energy and all of the world and everything was crammed together in one little floating particle and it exploded at such a velocity and time and place that it created everything that's ever been created. And if you want to hear that argument, good for you. But where did the speck come from? If you're going to believe it, okay, well, where did the speck come from? Where did the atom come from that exploded and created all of this wonderful world that we see out of one tiny particle? Where did the particle come from? And they go, well, we don't know. Well, it, it was from God, and he said, let there be light, and he formed the universe out of his command. See, that's the... <clears throat> I heard a comedian the other day, and he was talking about atheists and people with the Big Bang Theory and Christians, and, right? And he was talking about, right, your God is nothing, and our God is God. So... Where did the universe come from? Out of nothing. Well, where did the universe come from? In my opinion, from God. So you can have nothing and we'll keep God. So by faith, we know that God formed the universe. And then it starts into that list of people, right? By faith, Abel brought, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain. By faith, Enoch was taken from his life because he was pleasing to God. By faith, Noah, when warned, built an ark. By faith, Abraham, when called, left his homeland to go have all of this stuff. It's by faith that they, faith in God, faith in what God told them, faith in God's word, that they acted in such a way. 
by faith, we do whatever we do. The problem is, there are times in your life when that faith gets pressed. I won't say tested, but it'll get mashed up against a little bit. You want to really know what people's faith looks like. I think they call that where the rubber meets the road, right? Where the rubber meets the road, when things are in a tough, that's where faith comes in really good, right? Like by faith, Daniel was in the lion's den and he knew God would protect him. Y'all got that kind of faith? I mean, I ain't scared of lions, but I don't want to go sleep with a whole bunch of them. God didn't send me to do that either. Thank God. I'm, I'm pretty good with that. It's how we act in the world <clears throat> on a daily. So can you say, everything I did last week was by faith. By faith, I did... Because the righteous of God are supposed to live by faith. You know, the Bible says that we shouldn't have faith in men, but faith in God. Did y'all know that? Second, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 5. This is faith not in men, but, are in, but in God. How much of our faith right now do we base it on? On human wisdom, on, on, on men, on people. Versus the faith in God. I mean, is your faith in the stock market? Is your faith in your job or your pension? Is your faith in your money? Money? Surely you don't have faith in money, right? It's just a little pieces of paper with stuff written on the outside of it. I could draw you some after church if you want some more papers with some numbers on the outside of it. So what is your faith in? Because we talk about it, right? The righteous will live by faith. Oh, yeah, amen. That's, that's right. And we, and we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Oh, yeah. Mm. So we should live by faith. At what level? At what part? What do you do on your daily basis that you live by faith? Now, let me tell you, I'm not calling you out or chastising you. This is, this is where I've been right here. This, this, is the, this is the epitome of what it is to be a Christian. The struggle that we have is, is how can I be better for God? Not that my works will be elevated, that by faith I will be pleasing to God. You know, the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. I want to be pleasing to God. So if I live according to my faith... I mean, like I said, some of us are only in the five-pound curl range. Some of these folks have been prayer warriors for 50 years, and they're over here deadlifting like 700 pounds. I mean, they, they got faith on top of faith. There it is. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, Hebrews eleven six, Because anyone who comes must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder that those seek him, earnestly seek him. So do you earnestly seek to be pleasing to God? Do you earnestly seek to have time with God? Do you earnestly seek to press your faith against the limits of your world? And the answer is probably no, not to the best of our ability. 
But that's where our goal is. We should be earnestly seeking to press our faith to the limits, to the level to where we don't understand it anymore. Now look. <clears throat> Am I getting close, Thomas? Oh good, I can't tell the story. Oh, uh, yeah. So we're going to press our faith to the limits to study our word to where we know what God's word says about us. It's know what God's word says for us, that we know what God's word means to us, and we press our faith further. Right? When you're in a situation, man, I can't do it. I gotta, we might go over. <clears throat> so in um, 2007, Mr. Darrell had a pretty serious heart attack. And if you've heard the story, good. And if you haven't, good. And you probably should hear it again. But in 2007, Mr. Darrell had a pretty serious heart attack. And he was in Orangeburg, and they took him to, or he was in Santee, and they took him to Orangeburg. And I was working in North Charleston, and Crystal had called me and told me that he was sick. And uh, she, Riley, was newborn, um, less than six weeks old. Well, she was born on the 15th, and this was like December the 4th or 5th or something like that, right? Somewhere real before. So they, they, they rushed him to the hospital, and I was on a job site in North Charleston. <clears throat> and crazy build-out. I was trying to build out 14,000 square feet in 60 days, and I did it in 51. But it was pretty crazy, right? I mean, we were working seven days a week. And... Crystal told me that daddy got sick and they took him to the hospital. Can I come meet you for lunch? Absolutely. Would love for you to come meet me for lunch. I'm in North Charleston. And so I started praying because you know, I don't know if y'all know, once you get a wife that's just recently had a child, if they can get dressed and straight and the child dressed and straight and they leave the house, you must entertain them then because they have went through great works to get to there. So, so when she called me and told me, what was going on, I didn't really think a lot about it, you know, no big deal, and um, she, she was going to come meet me for lunch, and, <clears throat> and so I started praying for him just because, look, if you, today, if you call me and say, you know, my uncle's brother's cousin's kid, whatever, I'm, I'm going to pray for him, like right then, I'm not going to think about it, I'm going to do it right now, because that's what I was taught to do from here, right, I'm going to pray for him right now, if you call me, I'm praying for him, so as soon as I hung up the phone for I started praying for Mr. Darrell, here again, no idea, no, no, no physical clue of what's getting ready to take place. And I started praying for him, and God spoke to me audibly and said, if you don't go lay hands on him, he's going to die. Not exactly what I wanted to hear while I was at work. Called my boss, said, hey, man, I got an emergency. I'll be back. My guy's on site. No big deal. They're managing it. I got to go. And the more I prayed about it, the bigger it got. Not the bigger that it, the, it, probably fear, right? I mean, you ever been told that if you don't go do something, they're going to die? That's a pretty big deal. So the fear rose up in me, and I keep praying it down and praying it down. So I picked Crystal up at um, a very small intersection at the time, right there at 17 and 26. Now it's absolute chaos. At the little head station right there, and we drive to Santee, um, Orangeburg Medical, and I'm driving like 90 as fast as I can go. I got the flashers on. We driving crazy. And Crystal's like, what is wrong with you? She has no clue. I have not audibly said any of this. I'm not telling her, hey, if I don't go lay hands on your daddy, he's going to die. I got to go. So drive into Orangeburg Medical. Never been to Orangeburg Medical before in my life. 
Never been back to Orangeburg Medical before in my life. I parked the car. I walked in the front door. I took a left and a right and a left, and I walked down the hall to their room. Did not stop and talk to anybody. In fact, a couple people were like, like, no, I don't got time to talk to you. Walked into the room. Uh, blood pressure was um, 42 over 14. I'll never forget it. And, and he was gray. And those people are going crazy and stat and banging and yelling and doing stuff. And Miss Rourke's just pouring tears standing at the door. And I walked over there and laid hands on him and started praying for him. And his blood pressure went. And it bounced. And it went like the 80 over 40 or something. Not great. But 42 over 14 is, is when y'all do the math, it's not real good. Um, so they put him on a, a, a medevac, and they flew him from Orangeburg Medical, and they flew him to North Charleston to, to Trident. And we went to Trident, and uh, they did surgery on him, and a nice surgeon came in, and he, was, he said he was still having a heart attack when he got there, and they did all this stuff, and he's going to die. And if he doesn't die, um, he's going to be physically debilitated. He'll never be able to work again. He'll never be able to walk. in Minimal life expectancy. Unless we can get him a transplant. If we can get him a transplant, he's got a little more hope. Um, and it's just it's what it is. And, and I don't know if you've ever been in that situation before, but it's not easy words to hear, right? <clears throat> and all of my teaching from Stump came to say, hey, listen, we're not going to accept your report. We are faith people. I have prayed for him. He is going to be healed. And the guy kind of looked at me, and he laughed, and he walked out. Like, okay. And walked out the door and shut it behind him. And I turned and talked to Crystal and Dorothy, and I said, listen, the Bible says what you believe in your heart and say with your mouth, you're going to have. Daryl, at the moment, Mr. Daryl, sorry, but I'd said Daryl, I think, at the time, has no way to say anything about his life right now. He has no faith. He has no nothing. He is unconscious. He knows nothing. You and I and her, we're the only people that know what's going on here. And we're going to speak life. We're going to stand on the faith in God's word that he says that we will live and not die, that we were healed by the stripes of Jesus. But 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes we were healed. And we're going to stand on that principle no matter what, I don't care what it looks like, because faith is the evidence of what's not seen. Not what's seen, what's not seen. I think a lot of times we get to be to where we feel like we're reporters. We have to come up every day and say, oh, well, my, my day did this, and I report on all the bad things that happen in my day. We're not reporters. We have faith in God. We live in faith in God. So anyway, I won't tell the whole story. I might save some for next week. I see you for eight days. He's sitting over there. It's 2007. He wasn't going to live. In those instances, it is my experience that that is where your faith rushes up to the top. And I'm not saying it's easy to have faith in those situations. But it seems like it's the only choice. And faith comes quickly. If we could live like faith was the only choice, that where we lived our day-to-day -day life counting on what God's Word said, believing what God's Word says about us and who we are and what He says we are, how much more pleasing would we be? Part two next week. Let's pray. <clears throat>
Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we thank you and praise you for it will go out and it will not return void. Father, we thank you for the measure of faith that you have given us, Father, that we can be pleasing to you and we give you praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.